This week on the Off the Crossbar podcast, the NLLPA and the owners come to an agreement on a new three-year deal for the CBA. We'll talk with Reed Reinhold about what this means going forward. Plus, a recap of what's going on, on the road to the Minto and the Man Cup and another round of box bets. All that and more right here on OTCB. My name is Teddy Jenner and welcome back for another year of National Lacrosse League Action. Matthews quick stick. Are you kidding me? By Dylan Ward. I don't believe what I just saw. That's the save of the year right there. Oh wow. Blair right down the middle, shoots and he scores! of the Off the Crossbar podcast here on the Cross Flash Podcast Network. He is Pat Gregoire. Find him on Twitter at Pete Greg. You can find me on Twitter at Teddy Jenner. The show is at OTCB underscore podcast or on Insta at OTCB podcast. Patty, my man, what is going on? How's the week? Week was good. Week was busy. Um, didn't call any games this week because, as we know, Ontario wrapped up their playoffs. Uh, but that doesn't mean I didn't enjoy some lacrosse. Got to watch um, the Jenner infomercial that was last <laughs> night. Uh, it seemed like every Jenner on the planet was on that broadcast at some point. But no, in all seriousness, that was awesome. You guys did great. Uh, shout out um, to the fine folks at Jenner Motors for, for getting that broadcast up for free on YouTube. And not only was it free, um, it was an awesome produced broadcast like that was crisp it was clean the broadcasters were pretty darn good too if i must say and the game on the floor was awesome like it was it was really well done yeah we've uh it's funny i said it on the broadcast last night a lot of people were talking oh coquitlam victoria was was the real western final no one told the langley thunder that man like Mm -hmm. this is a really good team kyle brunch is has been an up-and-coming star for the last few years. Um, but if you have never seen Cody Miloski play, <laughs> and you've never watched Cody Miloski, um, just think back to his father, Kurt Miloski, and to his uncle, Derek, and just meld those two personas and skill sets together, and you got Cody Miloski. He's just so fun to watch. I, and I don't often, especially for junior games, because I'm usually down around the locker room chatting with the guys, I don't get warm-ups a little and doing the broadcast last night, obviously I was there pretty early. So I was out watching warm up, and Langley was doing light warm up, and Cody was out there kind of late, and their backup goalie was in, and he took this one shot, and he goes low to high short side, 
And he just mimicked the celebration that he would do in the game if he actually scored it. He did a big fist pump, high fives, little fingers, the air. Like, he was so focused, and that's how he always is. And that Langley Thunder team coached by Adam Smith and Kevin Reed is a fantastic, fantastic group. Um, And they're giving Victoria everything they have. Victoria now leads at 3-2. Obviously, Victoria is a little undermanned with three guys away at the U21s. So that's kind of hurting them. But if they can get through this and get to the Minto Cup, uh, it is going to be a, a heck of a run for that group. But all credit to Langley Thunder. Every home, every game has been won by the home team. Game six goes Saturday. So, you know, for, for my sake as a Victoria guy, hopefully they can get it done. And we don't need a game seven. But from a broadcaster's perspective... Wouldn't hate a game seven, Patrick. <laughs> I know the folks back here in Ontario would like a game seven. Just oh yeah, they'd like game nine to... and ten. And... <laughs> As you know, although there are uh, quite a few bodies uh, from both those Ontario teams over competing for yeah. Canada and for the Haudenosaunee, um, so they're not really resting. But I know the beaches. I know the Warriors are having some nice light practices, kind of going through things, keeping their tools sharp. But they're not going through the war that is uh, yeah. the the BC JLL finals, which it is right now. And going back to Miloski real quick, that goal he scored, that <laughs> tuck, the stones for him to even try. Right. And in in our group chat, Ty Merrow said, "I would love for Kurt to hear his." thoughts yeah. on that because he would have chewed him out for 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 doing something like that but unbelievable move so headsy so sneaky and that's another thing that makes this this kid so special yeah, yeah. he's got the killer instinct like his father and like his uncle had but he also has the swagger and oh, he the, has some swag man like, like for those of you that weren't watching the game it's third period langley's down a few uh, Cody kind of gets past a couple defenders and he's running on his wrong side. He's kind of going towards the net. He's got a stick in his left hand. He doesn't really have an angle. And so he just kind of loops around the back of the net like most guys would to get it to a strong side, reset the offense. Well, as he's doing that and he gets like past the near post of Adam Bland, he quickly just switches hands and reaches around and dunks it short side. Like... <laughs> And who thinks of those things? And and that just shows where some of the talent in this game is today. That's where it is right now. They they are at a completely different level than we've ever seen in the game of lacrosse. And, you know, we're focusing on the BC Junior League right now. Obviously, the talent that's in the Ontario League right now is ridiculous. The talent that's in the Rocky Mountain League is on fire. Um, they are at 3-1 with the the Miners having won three in a row, including a 14-10 win on Sunday over the Mounties to take a 3-1 lead. It is just incredible what is going on. But what may be even more incredible, Pat, is the amount of talent that is being grown south of the border right now. Mm-hmm. If any of you are on social media this past week, and you were following Pat and I, or you were following U.S. Fox or the CBS, you were witness to some absolutely phenomenal cross at the U.S. Box of Nationals. It was great. It was 
awesome to to watch the broadcast, to watch the clips that they were throwing out. Like you want to talk about skill uh, and athleticism. That's what was going on south of the border. But now I think we can finally put away that, that narrative of, yeah, they're very skilled and they're very talented, man. If they can just learn how to play the box game, it'll be great. They're playing field out, you know, on the floor here. No, they're legitimately playing box across. And yes, it's probably a little bit of a different style than what we see here in Canada, but there's different styles province by province. Like you guys in BC play a different, a little bit of a different mm-hmm. game, a different blend than what we play here in Ontario. And, and mm-hmm. same thing with the prairies. And so, yeah, it is different, but they're actually being well coached. They're learning the game. They're learning the concepts and it's awesome to see. And I think that's kind of what we talked with Charlie Ragusa a couple of weeks ago, saying that the big difference between maybe a few years ago and, and and teams now, like look at every single team in that tournament, especially yeah. the junior level. Look at the bench. Look at the coaches. They're all players, ex players, yeah. giving back. And they're like, who better to teach these tremendous athletes than the guys that are playing at the highest level? And that's, and that's the way happening. it should be, right? It's, it's the way it should be. It's the way these guys are going to learn. You look across all the the junior teams across Canada. Most of those teams, the top teams, have current or former NOLers on it. So why wouldn't U.S. Boxa and the NCBS do the exact same thing? So um, we got to give a special shout out to Emma Mako. Uh, I hope I yes. pronounced her last name right. Um, became the first female to participate in the NCBS, which is the National Collegiate Box Series. Um, she became female in a game. On her birthday, she came in off the bench, only let in like one goal, made 30 saves, allowed her team to come back and win. But again, just another great story coming from U.S. Boxla of kids, men and women, starting the game at an early age, falling in love with it and honing their craft and breaking barriers. It's amazing to see. Yeah, I think that was probably the best story from the weekend, no doubt. Just, um, you know, you know, we, we've had... We've had some some great stories come from that, but that one was took the cake for me. Like that just goes to show, like the the growth of the game, uh, you know, for the 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 men's, the women's, the boys, the girls doesn't matter who it is. Just the fact that you know she was able to to step into a game and not just compete, but like dominate for for the time that she was in yeah. there. That's just yeah. unbelievable to see. Um, and then, of course, for the first time in. 35 years, 25 years, um, Canada Summer Games has lacrosse in it. Um, mm-hmm. The men's division gets started, in, what, next week? But I currently so, right yeah. now the women's are playing, and it's the first time ever women have played lacrosse in the Canada Summer Games. It is getting a ton of press here in Canada just not only because lacrosse is back, which is huge, and it's been ridiculous. Lacrosse hasn't been in the Canada Summer Games when it's our national summer sport <laughs> for almost three decades. But the first ones to play it were the women, and they are balling out again. It's awesome. It is awesome. And it is it is great to see that it's finally getting the coverage. Sure, it's not on TSN or or, or you know being nationally broadcasted, but CBC – a lot of these big outlets are writing stories about it and they are these awesome athletes, you know, are getting highlighted. And it it just, it is so awesome to see that they're getting their shine because 
it's not always that these tremendous athletes do get that shine. And it is a big moment, not just for the game of lacrosse. It's, it's a big moment for, for athletics in, in Canada. Um, that, that, you know, that, that the summer's games is back, that lacrosse is back, that, that, you know, these, these women, these young women are able to display at the biggest level. And we're seeing all different provinces as well. Like some of these teams out in the East are competing with some of the, 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 the bigger dogs, you know, in the country. So it's mm-hmm. showing that the game of box across, especially the, 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 the women's game is growing all over the country. Yeah. It's just fantastic. I, I asked Mackenzie, sorry, Mackie on the broadcast uh, last night. And I said, you know, what, what does it mean to you as someone who played box growing up your whole life? What does it mean to you to, to see women's lacrosse on this stage? And he said, she said, it, it's just absolutely amazing. It is, it's so cool. There there's, you know, Victoria girls on the team that, that she kind of knew that played with her sister. And it, it just goes to show where this game can go. If we put the right people in charge, we make the right decisions, we make the right processes. And it's just been absolutely unbelievable to watch. Um, so kudos to everybody involved. The The boys slash men's tournament gets started next week. There's going to be some incredible lacrosse as well. Uh, over in Ireland, the U21s are going on right now. The United States beat Canada 7-5 on opening day. Um, that That's just a, a great tournament. I wish, again, you know, like we talked about the, the Canada Summer Games, it would be great if the U19 slash U21s were being streamed somehow on TV, um, all watch, but obviously Ireland's what, like eight hours ahead, um, over here. So can be tough to watch, but you know, a great opportunity for those young men to go and compete on the highest stage. And we wish all of them the best of luck. Um, we'll talk WLA and MSL after we chat with Reed Reinholdt. Um, but obviously the news of the week, uh, we kind of hinted at it last week. We talked to Brett Frude about it on the podcast uh, about an impending and imminent was the word that he used signing of a CBA. And we started hear- hearing rumblings that um, it was getting done and it was close to being done. And then we heard rumblings that it was done. And I don't know if, if, if it's the Brett Frude effect, um, but a CBA has been agreed upon a new three-year deal. Um, again, we'll get more in depth with Reed about it, but from the people that I've talked to, Patty, I don't know who you've chatted with. I think the, the players actually seem pretty happy about this. They seem really happy about it. And it's crazy because I don't know, maybe, maybe some of our, our sources um, maybe aren't as good as we thought they were, but you know, maybe a month ago, I would say, Teddy, it yeah. sounded like these two sides were a lot further away than than they are now, obviously getting it done. So something drastic must have happened um, or they must have realized, OK, we have to meet somewhere. There has to be some sort of, uh, you know, middle ground here because all the momentum that we had from last year with the game being on TSN and ESPN, having fans back in the building everything kind of accumulating Vegas coming into the league. We cannot delay this season this year. It just can't happen. And kudos to both sides for getting this done. Um, and finally we, we can go into free agency, which I think is 
we have some potential to see some crazy movement. Oh, uh, but even if, but even if we don't, um, at least we know we can get on. And and once free agents starts, it means we can start thinking of okay, what's this team going to look like? What's this mm-hmm. team going to look like? And then next thing you know, oh, training camps here. Yeah, we we were under the impression last week that free agency was going to start on Saturday, but with everything that happened with the CBA, they kind of just pushed it back. It'll now start um, on Monday. Um, so be ready up and early on Monday because there's going to be some big names moving and there's going to be some young names moving. And I think we are going to see a bit of a different landscape in the national Cross league come next year. Um, with the way free agency is going to work for these guys, these guys wanting to just better them, their positioning, their opportunities, their chance to win their chance to, continue to grow in the National Lacrosse League. And we are definitely going to see some movement in free agency. And like you said, once we get to free agency, we can start thinking about what these teams are going to look like. But we can also start thinking about the NLL draft. And that is coming up sometime in September. No official date for the draft has been announced as of yet, but usually sometime early, mid-September is Awful one they've been having in years past. We don't know where it's going to be. We don't know how it's going to look. We don't know if it's going to be broadcast. Well, it'll be broadcast somehow. Um, but we're, we're just in that season. It's the off season, but it's it's the height of the off season right now. And like we talked about a couple weeks ago, there are going to be some big names on the move. Who's the biggest name do you think that would move that would shock you? Oh, that would shock me. Now that changes my question. I think <laughs> if you were going to say what, who's the biggest name that I think could get moved would be, I, or not get moved, but find a new home. I think Dixon probably would be the name that jump, jumps out at me, but I would almost be more shocked at this point if he was to resign yeah. uh, with, with Calgary. Calgary. Yeah. Another name that jumps out is Kevin Crowley. And I think that one is an interesting situation as you know he's been with philly for a little while he lives in philly he's in market he has his roots there but as there have been rumblings Mm -hmm. maybe he wants to head back west and head home and and play with some buddies on that team and kind of see all the positivity that is starting to grow with that unit you know take them to that next level grabbing another offensive superstar so that would be a name that i kind of would be shocked to see because He's such a big part of that Philly yeah. offense and that team. He's a heartbeat of that, that offense. So, again, though, I wouldn't be shocked. But yeah. those are the two names that I'm looking at. What about yourself? I would say the shocker for me would be Cody Jameson if somehow he left Halifax. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, I would be shocked. I don't that see would that. Be shocked. Hey, that would be that is, that is your question. <laughs> he's, always, right. he's always <laughs> testing free agent water. He's always, you know, dipping a toe in just to see what's out there. But. Yeah, I don't, I don't really see him going anywhere, um, but that would definitely shock me. The Kevin Crowley one is very interesting. Yeah. Um, and I, like you, have heard those rumblings that maybe he does want to go west. And I have had this kind of grandiose plan that Dan Richardson might be trying to pull off, and I'm going to put it out there. He somehow gets Kevin Crowley in free agency. Not somehow. He gets Kevin Crowley in free agency. But he somehow flips Kyle Killen and – pieces to Philadelphia and gets himself a goalie in Zach Higgins. That's actually playing West, a senior B. 
Um, I believe he was going to originally play for New West, but he's now decided to play senior B. Um, so he's already experienced the West Coast life. Uh, Dan Richardson has ties to the New Westminster Salmon Bellies. Um, Logan Schuss was on that senior B team with him in Ladner. So there is some connections. There is some irons in the fire. But if he can pull that off, if he can somehow get Crowley and he can somehow get Higgins, I could – excuse me. I could definitely see that happening. And I could definitely start to kind of believe in what they're doing. But a discussion for another day. The discussion today is a new CBA. And joining us live on the show, VP of the NLLPA, Reed Reinhold. Reed, what's going on, brother? Hey, not much. How you guys doing? We are fantastic. Um, sunny where you are. Where are you at, brother? I'm up in Naramata, British oh, Columbia. So it's right by gorgeous up in- there. Yeah. Um, you going to Elephant Island? I did swing by there. I made sure I brought Brad Cree by there while he was up there as well. <laughs> uh, so those that don't know, Naramata is sort of the wine country in the interior of BC. Uh, Del Halliday, a former NLLer and Victoria Shamrock legend, uh, owns Elephant Island Winery and just puts out a great product. So if you ever needed a good BC wine, um, Elephant Island is where to go. Um, so you're up there enjoying the sunshine, but obviously it's been a, a busy couple of weeks for you and Zach Courier and the rest of the PA Tell us how this this came to be because we had heard rumblings that you guys were miles apart, and then all of a sudden we get a new commissioner, free agency gets pushed back, and then a few days later, boom, we hear rumblings that you guys got a deal done. So how did this all come to be? Yeah, it was uh, it was an interesting process, that's for sure. Um, for me, it was a little bit extra unique because right in the middle of everything, I was getting married on uh, July thirtieth, so. I was uh, negotiating up until about an hour before our rehearsal dinner the night before and kind of got right back to it the day after the wedding. Um, But yeah, we we did start off far apart, but it was important discussions to have. We we laid out sort of the important issues on each side. Um, And obviously those important issues are are met with a lot of resistance from the opposing parties. And so um, we had those issues out, but nobody was really budging very much. And then I think as we were leading into free agency, um, the league started to understand a bit more that the players were pretty united and um, they cared a lot about the things that we were fighting for, particularly free agency. We weren't looking for, you know, crazy bumps up in salary or, or anything like that. We understood sort of the landscape of what the league had gone through. And so we wanted to be reasonable in what we were asking for. Um and so free agency was a big item and restricted free agency change for the first time in NLL history um, this past year. And although they didn't budge as much as we would have liked on free agency items, they, they bumped up a little bit of um, luxury tax and some other items uh, to sort of make up for that. So if it wasn't a huge move in free agency, we wanted to get some smaller moves in other areas. And, and I think that we ended up at a pretty fair deal for where we're at right now it gives three years of certainty three years of helping each other grow and um, i'm really looking forward to kind of getting this behind us to have a long runway for the start of the season how important was it for not just your side but both sides was it that 
you guys could get a deal in place so you get free agency rolling and have no delays going into this season because as as you and I and everyone knows, this past NLL season might have been one of, if not the greatest uh, season for the league. Yeah, it was an awesome season. I don't know how many one-goal games there was and then continued into playoffs. Playoffs was an unbelievable, great atmosphere. Two final teams that have great fan bases. It was it was awesome. We wanted to keep that momentum going, but at the same time, we had to represent our guys as well and, and make sure they were getting the things they wanted and they were happy with the deal at the end of the day. So we never wanted to push all the way up to the start of the season. It's not in anyone's best interest, really. Um, if there was a, a good deal and a fair deal on the table, we were going to take it. And we made that very clear from the get go. And I think um, the league and the owners understood that leading into free agency. And so they they did come to the table um, in early August there, and, and we were able to get something done. Did did Brett Frude have any input in, in, in this process? Like, he obviously came in on, like, Tuesday, and a couple days later you guys had this deal done. I'm not saying he waved his magic wand and kind of exp- expedited this situation, but was he involved in, at all in any of this, or was it just the, the PA and, and the, the, the Board of Governors? It was, it was mostly the PA and the Board of Governors. Um, Brett doesn't start until the end of the month. Yeah. And so he had kind of just hopped on. He was just sort of onboarding um, and discussions were already pretty deep. So they were mostly led by Brian Lemon and and Max on the league side. And they also had uh, a labor attorney from New York, Howard Robbins, who had helped with some grievances and things in the past for the league. Um, And so I think he helped sort of keep the ball moving forward on their side. And um, so, yeah, Brett, didn't have a ton to do with uh, kind of finishing up the deal, but I'm super excited to work with him moving forward. It seems like an awesome hire for our league. Um, have you had your, go ahead, Patty. Sorry. I was just going to say, have you had any discussions with him? Uh, and I think Teddy and I share the same sentiments. We love the fact he yeah, he's not a former box lacrosse player, but the fact that, you know, he played the game. Um, he knows what the NLL is very familiar with. It has that history with the league and with the game certainly is reassuring, but he also has that background, uh, in business, in sports, uh, that kind of supplements that as well. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think it's a perfect mix. Um, having somebody with some real life experience in other sports, and then also having a connection to lacrosse is, is super important. I think, um, because our sport isn't super well known to everybody so far, so someone ha- having somebody who's still involved is is key, I think. Um, in years past, negotiations, and we even see it in in the NHL and NBA uh, related revenue. So lacrosse related revenue was a big talking point last time we were in this process. Is that still um, an item you guys are trying to push for? Yeah, it is. And sorry if you're getting a little background. Must be a fire with the helicopter going over. Um, yeah, that was that was an important piece for us, but it was really hard for us to come up with a system. Um, this year, our last full season was 2018-19, and we could we've passed back and forth definitions and things like that, which are important. But for us to get a fair system in place, we need a few years of consistent financial data. Um, so that's what we're hoping to get over the next three years. And then we can kind of work towards a proper system. That's going to be our, our sort of main focus over the next three years and in, in working towards that system. Cool. Um, and, and then you mentioned the, you know, free, you know, UFAs and RFA changes. What were the big changes to that that you guys were happy to agree upon? Um, 
I'm just going to let this guy pass me. <laughs> <laughs> Is that loud on your end, too? Uh, it's not that bad. We okay. get it. We understand. Keep the um, people safe up there. Uh, so the, the major changes are the, in RFA, there's now a qualifying offer. Um, so players will either become restricted free agents or have a guaranteed minimum 6% increase in their salary. Um, and then the UFA, the franchise age for rejection is down one year and you can in, rather than six seasons and 30 years old you can also play eight seasons um so you have that option to, to become a ufa quicker um here let me pop up and, that, and that's and that's key because obviously guys are coming into the league at a young age and to not have free agency until you're in your like 13th 14th year is a long time before you can start kind of dictating where you go. Yeah, it's uh, our free agency. I, I said it all along throughout our, throughout our negotiations. We have the worst free agency in pro sports, um, and it's just a fact. And it's something that we want to change. We knew we couldn't change it all at once, but it's something that we really want to, to focus on. We understand there's a few unique challenges with us being a part-time league and you know, everybody wanting to maybe go to a certain location or things like that. But, you know, those types of arguments exist in, in every sport, in every league. People want to be in Florida for no state tax in the NHL or, or something like that. So those types of arguments are everywhere. Um, and so free agency was was sort of that that big, big piece. And I, I think a little extra one that's going to make a big impact is the franchise player earning $50,000 starting next year. And I think that seems to be the bar for what a lot of UFAs will sign for. Um, like you've seen in the past, teams will sort of go through and almost threaten the franchise tag saying, if you don't sign this contract now, which amounts to, you know, perhaps slightly more than the franchise tag, we'll franchise tag you and then we'll move on to our next guy. But they've been able to sign guys for just above franchise mark while not franchise tagging them and then moving their way down through all their UFAs. And so hopefully that, you know, pushes up that sort of benchmark amount. Um, we'll see how it all plays out, but um, yeah, that's, I think that's an interesting piece too. Is, how is the overall salary going up for guys? Like is, is the bottom going up and the top going up as well? The mins and maxes are increasing how they were in the past. Yeah, um, but there's more money available. So over the next three years, the luxury tax will increase roughly twenty percent, or one hundred thousand um, dollars. Next year, it's increasing over nine percent, and then five percent the two years after. And so I think hopefully that'll help some of the middle of the road guys get a little bit more money in their pockets and things like that. Um, and then another piece is the league-wide average that we've typically had. It would be determined after the, the season's over. If you're below it, um, you'd become a, a restricted free agent. But now we've had it set out so that would, the league-wide average is established over the next three years. And, you know, it has its advantages and disadvantages for both sides. But I think having a little bit of certainty is, is important for guys when they're kind of choosing their contracts. You can take a little bit less money and become a restricted free agent or you can fight for a bit more. So I think it helps to have sort of that benchmark in place there. How important is, is transparency uh, during these 
you know, uh, well, not during the discussions, but after the discussion, because I'll, I'll be honest, I, I really appreciate that you're able to come on here, discuss this. And this is something that, you know, you and Zach have done in the past. Is this something that's important to you guys that, that you know, the average fan knows a little bit of uh, about the ongoings of, of what's going on with, with these discussions? Yeah, we plan on making the CBA public um, in the near future here. We didn't want to do it during CBA negotiations and, you know, cause a rift between ourselves and the owners or anything like that. So I think it's important to have a public CBA. We've had discussions with the other professional leagues, the the NWSL and, and some other leagues as well about having it public and how that's important. And we're also considering making our salaries public as well, because I think that's super important. We've made them available to the players through a contract spreadsheet so that they can compare and contrast themselves to uh, similar players. But I think it's it would be helpful for you know, everybody to see that stuff. And, you know, we can sit here and pick apart our CBA all day, but I think getting some extra eyes on it would be helpful. And I, I think it drums up a little bit of extra curiosity for the fans as well. Um, on Monday, we're planning to have sort of an open discussion with all the players and our regional attorneys to talk about the new changes in the CBAs and and some negotiating strategies and, and tips and stuff like that moving forward. Um, so we're trying to do that internally with our players and then we would like to uh, get the public into the fold in the near future as well. I want to go back to the luxury tax thing just to kind of clear things up for fans. The difference between luxury tax and salary cap. Um, So the luxury tax, there is sort of thresholds, um, kind of like what you'd have when you're paying your taxes uh, to the government. So if you go over the luxury tax, by a certain amount, you're paying 25% into a distribution fund. If you go over the next bracket, you're 50% into the distribution fund. And all the teams that go over the luxury tax pay money into the distribution fund. And all the teams that go under the luxury tax receive a payout from the distribution fund split amongst all the teams who are under. So if 10 teams go over and four teams are under, uh, that pool of money from those 10 teams get distributed um, amongst those four lower teams, a, a salary cap is is more of a hard cap. Um, but yeah, um, our our system is a little bit unique because there are a little there's some extra carve outs sort of within um, our CBA. So Jim wouldn't be included, or um, bonus money is included in, in certain areas and and not in others. And um, camp and off field employment is is kind of separate as well and, and capped in its own way at least camp is um so there, there are some kind of nuances in in our league and how many teams went over the luxury tax last year do you know um i don't have that right in front of me right now but it was over half um wow. that went over hmm. and you said you know depending how much you go over you, you get dinged for it but do some teams just not care and just spend wholeheartedly and and not worry about that fine it seems like teams kind of go through waves um like when they have sort of that wave of veteran guys on their way out they're they're above and then when they're maybe rebuilding a little bit and a little bit younger they'll they'll be below um there's some teams that are consistently above a bit more um but it, it changes year to year. Is there anything that, you know, is in place that 
allows the rest of the league, maybe the teams that aren't as financially stable than the other ones that can consistently always go over that tax to have the sense that there is going to be some parity going forward? Or is this just, you know, teams that are doing better that can afford it, it's an advantage to them? It's an interesting question. Um, and one that I'd probably prefer to pass on to the to the owners. Um, I do think it would be worthwhile for there to be a bit of revenue sharing amongst ownership. Um, not talking about the revenue sharing with players, but just amongst ownership as we kind of grow and expand, I think it would help, you know, some of the younger teams. Um, but that, that wasn't necessarily something that we wanted to fight for. If that was something they were interested in, I think that was something that, sure. that they should suggest and, and kind of go from there. I, I think it would be helpful for the health of our league, but at the same time, I understand sort of, why some teams want to hold their their cards kind of close to their chest. I don't want to say this is the best deal you guys could have gotten because obviously that you would have liked some things to be higher and some changes to be made. But in your time in the NLL, is this the best deal the players have had? Um, I guess it's hard to say, yeah. um, but it feels like a, it feels like a good deal for the guys. Um, I think all the players know that Zach and I would have fought tooth and nail right up until the start of the season if we had to. We obviously would prefer not to, but I think they know that, and I think I think the ownership got a bit of an idea of that as well. Um, and I think that really did help us come to a, a quick and fair deal. Um, who knows what would have happened if we continued to fight through free agency. Maybe their offers would have gotten worse. Mm-hmm. Um because I know trying to get the guys signed prior to free agency, like those UFAs who were kind of sitting back waiting for the CBA to be done and things like that. I know that was important to those teams to get those negotiations going. So I think, I think we kind of leveraged the timing well and um, the league met us in the middle and we were able to get something done. So it was, it it all worked out pretty good. Um, Speaking of free agency, um, how's your agent working out for you? Are, you? are you making lots of calls right now or are you getting ready to sign a big deal on the 15th? What's up? Well, I don't know. We'll see. I've been talking with Jamie a little bit. Um, he actually came out for my wedding, which was pretty awesome. Um, and some of the other Toronto rock guys. And, uh, I really want to play for Toronto. Last year was a bit of a grind with travel from the West coast and they practice on Tuesday nights. And I'm the type of guy who likes to, be involved in all team activities and not just kind of some. Um, but I really love that team. I think we have an opportunity to win. I would I would love to go back there. It's uh, it's just a bit of a logistical challenge that we're sort of working our way through and, and seeing if we can make work. I know. Yeah, no, I was just going to ask, how how's the health? How how's your off season been? Are you you back to full health? Uh, what's uh, what's your off season been like? Besides, you know, uh, getting married. <laughs> yeah, my off season's been uh, it's been busy, but quite a bit of rehab. My I really uh, I really injured my shoulder at the end of the last year, and uh, I've never hurt my shoulder that bad, and I didn't realize how big of a hassle it was to come back from that so I fractured in a couple of places and tore my labrum and it's been uh, a grind at physio every week and, and doing exercises at home and then also about 
nine weddings to attend this summer and into the fall. So it's been full-time wedding guy and rehab pretty much. <laughs> rough life, rough life, my man. Um, we appreciate, appreciate you coming on, Reed. Obviously this is an important topic for, for the players, but it's also awesome for the fans to get an insight. And I think it's, it's, it'll be awesome for them to have um, an open CBA kind of look at. And I think it's great for our league to have those values of players you know, available for the public to see just because it just puts more eyes on our sport, more professionalism looking. And I think it's just an absolutely great job. So um, congratulations on getting this deal done. I know it was very important for you guys to get this done as soon as possible. Uh, congratulations on getting married. And Pat and I both want to send condolences to you, Tor, and the whole family on obviously what was a, a tough week for, for the family. Um, but I know you guys are together and, and remembering your mom very well. Much appreciated, guys. And uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. I look forward to talking soon. So there he is, VP of the NLLPA and newly married Reed Reinhold, currently of the Toronto Rock. Will he remain a member of the Toronto Rock? It's yet to be seen. We don't know. Obviously, you know, he heard him say it, Pat. He was doing a lot of travel. And Vancouver to Toronto for practices on Tuesday nights and then to wherever they got to go and play. That's not easy. And for a guy that's getting on in his career, it's starting to get banged up a little bit, you know, maybe, maybe come a little West wouldn't hurt him. And maybe if he can't get a deal done, who knows? Maybe he does end up out West on a Vancouver or a Colorado or a Vegas. We don't know. Well, I, I, in my projections, you know, months ago, it's crazy to think of it. It's been that long now. I, I actually said that I thought, you know, Vegas would take a stab at a guy like Reed Ryan, Reed Reinhold because, yeah. you know, he's a veteran. He, he plays so well uh, without the ball and his stick and maybe in a, a little bit of a bigger role, maybe he'd put a couple more balls in the back of the net. And of course on the West coast, a little bit of an easier travel, but um, I still wouldn't rule it out if he ended up there. I wouldn't rule it out if he ends up in Vancouver or somewhere in the West. But as you and I know, as he said multiple times um, on this program, when we've had him before, he loves the Toronto Rock. He like does. He loves that team. Um, and he said it himself, like he likes to be a part of absolutely everything. And that that has been a grind, but that's something that he is the sacrifice he has been willing to take. Is he willing to continue to do it? Maybe I think this is, could be a, a one-year deal. Try it one more year. Mm -hmm. you know, try to win a championship with this team. Because as he said, he just got married. Like, you know, he's going to have a family soon. Um, and maybe when that comes, those commitments of flying across the country uh, during the week might become a little more difficult. So this could maybe be one or two of the last years we see him in a Toronto Rock uniform. Or like you said, Maybe they're not able to get a deal done, and, and he does end up. Regardless, I know that there's going to be a lot of teams come the 15th that are going to be picking up their phone and, and giving him a call because the growth that we've seen is him not just uh, you know, a lacrosse player, but as a leader. Um, I think a lot of teams are going to really want to add a guy like that. Uh, if you want to know more about NLL free agency, head over to NLL.com. Adam Levy has a great piece on some of the big names that could be mm -hmm. moving come the 15th and originally when Adam ran that article and we were talking and I said to him you know 
A lot of those guys aren't signing because of the uncertainty of the CBA. Well, we now have a CBA. There's no more uncertainty. Let's get to the 15th and let's let the frenzy go off. Uh, so thanks to Reed for joining us and stopping by. Um, some other NLL news before we get back to the WLA. Uh, this kind of came out of nowhere, Patty. Um, Dan Teat out in Panther City. Um, he led, was part of the leadership group on the bench for that young offense that was phenomenal in their first year. And the only kind of real ex- reason they gave was that he wanted to be closer to family in Ontario, um, spend time with them, but he's no longer their O coach. And that is very, caught me very off guard. Yeah, I, when, when I saw that come across in the press release and that, that really did confuse me. And of course I, it said that it was his decision, which I tend to absolutely agree because, you know, Tracy Koleski won the coaching staff of the year and he was very adamant saying that, you know, it's coach of the year, but it's also staff and mm-hmm. always giving praise to Teat and to Toll. And I know he was a big part of, you know, that offense coming to life in the second half of the season. My thing here is, there has to be something. Yes, he wants to be closer to home, but maybe there's an opportunity that is a little bit closer to home. And this isn't insider knowledge. This isn't hashtag sources. This is just me thinking, and I think 97% of the lacrosse world is thinking the same thing. Maybe <laughs> he's headed to coach his son, be reunited, yeah. and, and and be on that bench with the riptide. That Who, certainly is there seems- coach Cross? It was Cross, yeah, Crosby. Jason Crosby was their offensive coach, yeah. and um, he's had quite the heck of a summer uh, with Whippy, the right? Brooklyn, Brooklyn Lacrosse Club. Yeah, he was oh, no, Brooklyn, he's with the right, Brooklyn right. Lacrosse Club. Head right. coach there took over for Brad MacArthur because he's coaching uh, down in the states for a, a Division Two team uh, in Florida. I forget the name of it, but he's taken over. And yeah, Brooklyn got bounced in the first round, but you know they they had a great season. They had a great young offense. So that would be surprising to see Jim Veltman let him go after, you know, the summer he had, the great offensive season that, yeah. that New York yeah. had. But I think at the end of the day, you want to keep 51 happy. And if there's an opportunity to bring his old man in, the guy who's, you know, coached him his entire life, I could see that. I just don't to- see it. There, What other, you know, lateral move would be good enough for him to to say goodbye to what seemed like a dream first season yeah. for that coaching staff. I'm just trying to think of what other O coaches he might, or what other teams O coaches, like who was the O coach uh, in Roch? Matt Giles? I believe so, yes. In Albany, it's, no, Clem's on the D-end. Clem's on the D-end, it would be Gibson. Yeah, he's not going anywhere. Uh, Halifax O coach is Stu Montour. Stewie, yeah. Stu Mungus probably is not going anywhere. Nope. And out the front door in Toronto, it's Krugs, right? Yeah. So Philly, who's their O coach? Good question. Huh. Just give me a second here. <laughs> <laughs> Putting each other on the spot. All right, you look that up. 
This is um, good podcasting. <laughs> we'll get into WA and look that up. Um, the semifinals are going on and oh, has a three. They just they what? they just hired Bubba. They just hired Bubba McComb. Remember? Oh, of course, yeah, right, yeah. Um, Jeff McComb is in Philadelphia, so he's not definitely not going there. Um, shot in the dark. It's not even close to family, but Vegas. Maybe they move. Yeah. Yeah, maybe they're closer to home to, to to be in Vegas. I don't know. That yeah, that yeah. that would be that would be a a lot of move that would surprise me. Yeah. Um again, we've heard a ton of rumblings of who's, you know, Willie's bringing in and you know, I'm very 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 close with Sean Williams and the Williams family, but he's even keeping it pretty tight-lipped of who potentially could be coming in and maybe that's who he's decided to, to help him out with the offensive side of the ball. We know Willie is a pretty good offensive mind, so he's going to probably take majority of of the leadership when it comes to that offense. But I don't know, maybe that's the spot. But to me, if Cool Bet had odds right now, you got to think the New York Riptide are minus, you know, two fifty right now to land him. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I keep uh, messaging the, the couple guys that I think are going to join Willie in Vegas. I keep asking them, when are you getting announced, and they never respond to me. <laughs> but maybe maybe I'm way off or maybe they're keeping it close to the vest but um, I've heard Nate rumblings of a couple names that are joining but again still nothing when we had Willie on here you know a couple months ago um, he said that news was coming soon but we still don't have that news so we sit and wait um, but we will move on here on the podcast uh, the WLA semifinals are underway Nanaimo has a three nothing lead on the Quinn Madnax and Victoria is down two one to Langley after a convincing win in game three where Langley had one goal through two periods, but an offense that has Dixon, Doby, Church, Scanlon, um, go down the list of how talented that group is. Um, Victoria finally got a good performance out of Pete Dubinsky. Uh, their offense started clicking and they're back in that series, but what a year for the Nanaimo Timberman and head coach Tawani Joseph, who was announced as coach of the year. Um, Adam Wiedemann was co-defender of the year. Uh, it has just been an awesome year in the hub city. And that organization is finally turning things around. I looked it up and I think you got to go back to 2007. One of my last years in the WLA, uh, we went from first to worst. <laughs> and that was the first, like the first time and the only time since that Nanaimo finished ahead of Victoria in the standings. That is insane. And this is, they're not, you know, you look at some of the, you look at the Langley roster and you look at the Victoria roster. Um, they're NLL heavy. Coquitlam's not very NLL heavy and Nanaimo has got a few and the addition of Tawani Joseph to that coaching staff. But honestly, I think more importantly has been the addition of Glenn Clark to the junior program as he's now bringing a lot of those Albany guys and guys that he knows out West and it's really paid off for the Timmerman uh, and they had their best year in a long time tied for first got third place or up three, nothing uh, on Coquitlam and they're playing some incredible lacrosse. So uh, congratulations to Tawani who was, head coach of the year. Adam Wiedemann was co-defender of the year, along with Drew Belgrave from New Westminster. Christian Del Bianco won goaltender of the year. No shocker there. Um, 
But I think where a lot of people took some issue with the WLA awards was with their all-star teams. Um, first all-star team, Christian Daniel, Bianco in goal, no surprise. Wiedemann and Belgrave on defense, they were your best defenders, no surprise. Out the front door, Jesse King led the league in scoring, no surprise there. But then Hayden Dixon from New West and Dylan Watson from Coquitlam. Dixon was leading the league in goals with 40. And Watson came in late, averaged just under four points per game, had 47 points in 12 games. And when people look at it, they're like, well, King had a just almost 100 points. The, and then the guys that are also on that first team, one of them didn't even have half the points that he did. And so people are starting to question – well, why is that? And you look at some of the other leading point getters in the WA, and you're like, well, why isn't that guy on the first team? Why isn't that guy on the first team? And it was very confusing for a lot of people. And I think one of the reasons is, where is Coquitlam without Dylan Watson? Sure, they rely heavily on Christian Del Bianco, but... Dylan Watson down the stretch was phenomenal. And you're going to hear his name called in the upcoming NLL draft. But it's not all about points. And I I kind of scratched my head a little bit, Patty, but I kind of commend the WLA for not just going with, you know, the three top scoring guys and making them the first time. And the next three top scoring guys, putting them on the second all-star team. It's nice to reward some guys that just work their ass off all summer. 1000 percent and you know i i'm gonna take this as a, an outsider looking in and that was the thing that really jumped out to me is okay you know there's some big names that were left off here and you know for me just the fact that you know no one from from langley was was yeah. on which is very very bizarre to me so i for me yes I, I see what you're saying and i will commend them that you know they took more than just you know the top scorers because as you and I know a lot of the times it's 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 very lazily put together okay pull up the stats okay one two three there they go the top three scores or even sometimes we've seen defender of the year it's just given to the guy that has the most points as a d guy but they're not the best quote-unquote defender so I, I give them credit for kind of digging in a little bit deeper than just the numbers but if I'm a Langley Thunder fan, I'm certainly pissed off that mm -hmm. you know one of my guys didn't make that list for sure. Yeah. Um, Lee just announcing Rookie of the Year, Hayden Dixon. Uh, we just talked about him leading uh, the league in goals with 40. He finished with 69 points. And then your MVP, it was a two-horse race between Christian Del Bianco and Jesse King, the best offensive player in the NLL and the best goaltender sorry, in the WLA, and the best goaltender in the WLA. And guess who won, Pat? The good Victoria boy? Nope. And you know what? I'm oh. okay with it. I'm okay with it. Jesse King had a phenomenal season, one point shy of 100. But what Christian Del Bianco did on a team that maybe had three other NLLers on their entire roster all season long, 12 wins in 18 games, 
an 8.72 goals against and a 0.842 save percentage. He was ridiculous. And without him, and this is the conversation that we had with Dane Smith and Matt Vince when talking about the NLL MVP. Without Jesse King, Victoria is still a very good team. Not as good, but they are still a very good team. Without Christian Del Bianco, Coquitlam probably finishes near the bottom of the tables. No doubt about that in my mind. He gave them a chance every single game to win. And he did it more often than not and helped his team get to a first place tie and into a semifinal berth. Now, they're getting it handed to him right now by Nanaimo in the first round. But what he did proves the point of what it means to be the most valuable to your team. And Christian Del Bianco is very rightly well-deserved. A hundred percent. And that, that again, kudos to the league for, for looking in that and the voters, whoever decided to vote on these, um, because again, there's just too many times where it's like, Oh, this player had a hundred points. Well, he has to be the MVP, but mm-hmm. I, I would, I would 1000% agree with you. Like if Coquillan doesn't have Delby ankle, like they are not a very good lacrosse team. I'm sorry, but it's just, he is the heartbeat of that team. <laughs> Every time he's in between the pipes, you have a chance to win. And yeah, it's not going their way right now in the first round, but he's still keeping them, you know, in these games. He let in, what was it, 11, their, their last game. I think it was 12, the game before that. Um, you know, that offense, and Nanaimo's super dynamic. So it's tough to keep them to single digits. You're, you're crazy if you're thinking you're going to do that all series long. So for me, absolutely, MVP. He's a guy that's probably going to win more of these awards. He might even win an MVP in the NLL, you know, in his career. He's the promising young goalie that everyone's been talking about for a long time. Now he is legitimately one of the best goalies on the planet. And I'm super pumped for him because it's a well-deserved award. So Nanaimo is on pace to advance their first WLA final in God knows how long. Uh, Victoria Langley will play game four tonight on Thursday from Victoria. You can watch that game on play full screen Uh, out East big shocker, like breaking news, shocking events. Peterborough six nation to the finals. All right. Hashtag sarcasm. Hashtag sarcasm, but let's, let's give proper kudos to Coburg. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They got swept, but Two of those games, I think it was three of the games actually, were one goal games. Last night, there was an overtime game too, right? Double overtime last night. There was another overtime game. There was a, uh, I think it was game one. uh, Austin Stott scored with, you know, 20 seconds left in the game. This Coburg team would not go away. And this was the closest four game sweep that I think I have seen in major series lacrosse Cobra could have easily packed it in after they were down Oh two or even Oh three. But they came out hard last night, fell short and you know, yeah, this is what we thought. We knew it was going to be Peterborough. We knew it was going to be six nations, but again, with Peterborough, like Brooklyn, 
they lose three one in the series. They technically, but did they? But did they? Yeah, exactly. They actually won a game, and if you're not following that. Gavin Prout was suspended. He was on the bench. Brooklyn claims that they were never informed of the suspension. So he goes on the bench, the game that they do win um, to go up 2-1 on Peterborough. Instead, it is swung. That game is forfeited. Peterborough goes up 2-1. And as the game is being played for... (laughs) Ridiculous. On the broadcast, Scott Arnold and, and Pete Dalladay are talking about, oh, I'm hearing this now. Scott yeah. Arnold was like running out to different league representatives. Oh, the league God. didn't really know because the suspension was coming from the OLA. Just absolute madness. And, you know, Brooklyn wins. And it's like, oh, my God, we're up 2-1. But really, it's like, well, there's a good chance that you're actually going to get off the floor now and find out it's yeah. it's actually you guys are down one two and it it sucks it's just it's the way it's unfortunate that this is this has happened and i know there's a lot of people with their tinfoil hats on saying that ontario lacrosse and then the mso wanted peterborough because they sell out every playoff and if the man cup is held there they're going to make more money no that is not what is happening is it a stupid situation that could have been avoided 1000 percent was this handled properly should brooklyn have actually earned it there's arguments to say yes maybe the, the it should have shouldn't have been overturned they should have kept it but to say that this is ontario lacrosse say what you will about the ola i don't think they are rigging it so peterborough can host because they're just getting to the next round they still have to beat six nations mm-hmm. but you could have just you could have just told Prouder, okay, you're sitting game three. And that's okay, so you, we didn't you have the information on. You should have been automatically suspended. We didn't tell you. Uh, you're out for game three. Or whatever the, thing, the next Yeah, ex- and, and that's the thing. And do you honestly think Gavin Prout and Brooklyn saw that suspension and said, oh, we're going to pretend we didn't see it? Prouder, you're going to go on the bench and we're going to risk getting like no chance. Yeah. I, I love Gavin pro. He's a tremendous coach, a great lacrosse mind. Him being on the bench, risking his suspension is just not, or further suspension, I should say, mm-hmm. or even forfeiting game is not worth it. And the team knows that. So yeah, exactly. It is what who it knows? is. Who knows? But like um, you said, that's where they are at the, in the MSL. And, when does that series and, start, you know? I, I actually have not heard when it is going to start. Um, you know, Six Nations will be the number one seed. So game one will probably, if I had to guess, start next week. It's already, you know, Thursday when we're recording this. So my guess would probably be Monday night in Six Nations. Yeah, um, but yeah, I, and this is an interesting year, Teddy. Like this is, these are two teams that of course are still loaded uh, but these are two of maybe not the most star-studded rosters that we have seen in a long time. But that doesn't mean they're bad teams. Minus they're both no. very good teams. But the WLA, like this, might be their best chance to win a Man Cup in Ontario in a long time. It's uh, it's always hard. It is always it, hard to go back east it, and win. One thousand percent, and and. I still think that, you know, 
when all is said and done, whoever goes out to the the Ontario or sorry goes out to Ontario for the for the Man Cup, I still think probably the MSL representative is going to be the favorite to win. But with that being said, it would not shock me if 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 the BC team finally gets it done in Ontario, and that would be awesome, awesome. I would for pop Canadian bottles. Players. I would pop bottles. <laughs> um, we'll also pop bottles if we can finally get back on the winning track with the PLL. Let's uh, switch focus, head down south, try to win some money. Time now for Box Bets, your source for all the lines, odds, and props from across the world of lacrosse. Brought to you by CoolBet.com. Stay cool, bet responsibly. <laughs> hey, what up with a good day, lads? And we're still in the mix, baby. <laughs> All right, last week we were that close. The chaos let us down. <sighs> yes, the Hutch. chaos let us down. And that doesn't usually happen with the chaos. And we're usually pretty reliable with the Oz. But they didn't cover. The dogs did. Whips and archers went over. But we didn't get our plus 765. This week, we're going to keep trying. We got three more picks for you. Chaos, I'm sorry you let us down. You're on the suspended list. But with that being said, we still need you to score goals. We don't care <laughs> if you win or lose, just score goals. And they're going up against the archers. Those guys like to fill the net as well. We're taking the over 23 and a half. We're also going with two teams that have done well with us. Like we have been mm-hmm. riding these guys into the ground. And these are the guys that have been getting it done. The Water Dogs on the money line and the Chrome on the money line. Add that all up together. It is plus 440. You'll only find that at CoolBet. So the over, Archer's Chaos, money line for the Chrome over the Cannons and Water Dogs money line over the Redwoods. Um, the PLL story, fate of a sport, um, will be on ESPN films and ESPN plus starting August 9th. Um, that will be a must watch. Hopefully it gets picked up by TSN. Uh, but the PLL is in Salt Lake city, Utah this weekend, uh, Friday night, two games, Atlas, whip snakes, water dogs, redwoods, then Saturday chaos, archers, cannons, Chrome, all those games on ESPN plus, which most likely means they will be on TSN direct um speaking of documentaries have you watched unrivaled yet blackhawk or uh, red wings avalanche no i haven't and I, I shame on me for not because yes i'm a leafs fan um and i've been a leaf yeah, fan for, a for my whole life but, but when i was yeah when I, during that era i had a, a liking to to the abs and that that rivalry was the best so shame oh on me God, for not it watching it so good it is so good. I highly recommend it. It's on TSN Direct. It's on ESPN Plus, I believe. Um, I highly recommend you go take 90 minutes out of your day and watch it because I, I remember it all. I remember I remember all those moments. Um, they go into detail of a lot of things. They talk to a lot of people. Um, it's kind of cool because it's like it starts off as it's Darren McCarty and Claude Lemieux in a bar in Detroit with a fan of or a group of like, I don't know, 75 100 fans just talking about it and how they've become friends after all of this um so it's, it's a very well done documentary and i've heard nothing but good things about fate of a sport 
um, the story of Paul and Mike Rabel kind of building the PLL. I'm interested to see it because I, I want to kind of see how they tell that story. Yeah, I I, I love sports docs. Like I know mm. I just said I hadn't watched it that the, <laughs> the the abs one yet, but usually like if there's a, a Netflix documentary or it's on Crave or or whatever it may be, those those are the ones that I absolutely eat up. Like last last year with the untold stories, the 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 Dansbury Thrashers, like those yeah. are those those documentaries are the best. And when I saw that this doc was coming out, I was like, okay, this this is going to be really well done. And say what you will about the PLL and and Paul Rabel and Mike Rabel, they one thing that they do well is market themselves, market their leagues. They're going to have them that league in in the best light possible. So I think it's going to be really really well done. I think it's going to be a great feature. I think it's going to be awesome for for the league. And again, like with what we saw with formula one, like here in North mm-hmm. America, that, that drive to survive series really so up good, like so, so good. So, and I yeah. know it's a series. This is a doc, but maybe a casual sports fan watches this documentary and says, Oh man, this lacrosse, yeah. this PLL is cool. Maybe they become a fan from it. Maybe they flip on ESPN plus or, or maybe here in Canada, they're watching on TSN and they, they, they were like, Oh, I watched that doc and they become a fan of lacrosse. That's, that's what this is all about. Like again, the lacrosse purists need to realize that things like this aren't for us. These this is for the casual sports fan to attract them to the game. So mm-hmm. if you're a true hardcore lacrosse fan, you can still enjoy it. You can still poke out flaws here and there but keep in mind this doc was not meant for you because you're going to keep going back watching lacrosse yeah you're going to keep going on a plshop.com and buying your your merch and buying tickets to different games that's not who it's for it's for the basketball fan or the Mm -hmm. college football fan that is sitting here in the offseason getting an itch to get involved in some sports what is this is this for you how about this Diaz guy in the mess in the walk-up? That's he's just getting going in sports, man. Oh. Just that clip, I think I've watched it a thousand times. Oh, I, I, I want it to be my walk-up song on a golf course. Every time <laughs> I go to the first tee box, play that as I go up and shank one off one. <laughs> it's honestly like it is just it is so electric watching the fans clap just walking home walking out with swagger the, the trumpets yeah. it's just it is honestly one of the coolest most electric things in sports uh, and it brings up uh you know it brings up a question that i have and you know lacrosse i think a lot of teams do a good job having like custom goal horns like mm-hmm. i know the bandit or goal songs the bandits do a lot of teams do but you know, I would like to see maybe a little more unique things in the game of lacrosse, like, you know, certain walkout songs for, for teams, not just the generic ones that every team seems mm. to have. Like, that would be cool. Like, those are the things that, again, casual sports fans will come across and be like, oh, this is sick. Like, um, I know there are some teams that have do a great job of their traditions, like the Bandits and and Colorado. They have great traditions. But maybe it's, it's some of these younger clubs – and I mean, Saskatchewan, you can put in there, like it or not, the 
pounding of the chest after every mm. Super Bowl. Like that, yeah. that has caught on. I'd like to see some of these other teams come out with some some cool, unique ideas to, you know, get their fans involved, get their fans pumped up, and hey, maybe go viral at the same time too. Yeah, I think it, I've always said that um, the there is a model for how an NLL team should run their game day presentation, but you are more than welcome to cut that model up into a hundred different pieces and still put it back together, yeah. but have a different model. And I think, I, I think every new team should kind of take a little bit of what everybody else is doing and, and not copy, you know, like, I love the what's he got nothing or all those chants, but you can't have every team doing that. Right. Yeah. Every team's got to have their own shtick. And I would like to see a team get away from announcing every single player and just announce the starting five. I would like to see teams do, you know, personalized goal songs for all their players and things like that. So I think we can get away from some of the static norm, but I think we definitely need to involve some more energy into our games. There's already a ton but I think we can add some more personalized energy to make moments like that one uh, at Citibank Park Field uh, where the New York Mets play. Um, all right, that'll do it this week. Thanks to Reed Reinhold uh, from the NLLPA, the VP. Uh, a fantastic, honest, transparent chat about where the players' union is uh, and how their discussions with the league went. It is amazing that they have a three-year deal. Some stability over the next three years it kind of coincides with the tsn espn three-year deal hopefully once we get it as he said they get a good working model of some of the numbers and and that they have and lacrosse related revenues can be something that the players and the league can share as we move forward and thankfully we will not have a stoppage because that would have crushed all of our momentum He's Pat Gregoire. You can find him on Twitter at P Greggy. I am on there at Teddy Jenner. The show is at OTCB underscore podcast. You can also find us on Instagram at OTCB podcast. Big weekend in the PLL. Some huge games on the road to the middle and the Man Cup. Of course, the Canadian Summer Games are going on in Ontario. Until we speak again. Take a friend to a game. If you do, buy him a beer because it is hot out. We all need to stay cool. And as always, be excellent to each other.